Before we begin, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there's a couple things that happened in between when we uh, first recorded this episode and when it is now airing. Uh, the first and foremost is the passing of the great Sid Haig, a character actor uh, who came to prominence with films like Spider Baby and, of course, is featured here and in a lot of Rob Zombie's work. Uh, Sid was a fantastic man. Uh, who people loved, and uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, he brought everything to uh, all the roles that he was in, and uh, he'll be greatly missed. We talk about him a lot here, and the incredibly intense performance he gives here, and that's you know very typical for him. Uh, he will be missed. Uh, the other thing that happened that I did want to address is uh, I lost a person who meant a lot to me and that is uh henry capana uh the you don't know henry probably um but once upon a time when uh i was a young guy at, at universal studios when i uh, decided to be a studio guy uh, i was not the person who could talk on a microphone like this i was sheltered and shy and afraid and henry wasn't any of those things he was open-hearted and just wanted to make everyone feel fantastic and great and was just wanted everyone to have a good time and he took me under his wing he did not need to this was just something that he did he was good at it and uh, i i never forgot that he was a, a wonderful person and he ended up marrying another wonderful person my friend mia and uh Unfortunately, he passed uh, just uh, this last week, and I miss him dearly. He was far too young for this to happen, and he, they, I'm distraught. I, there's no words, but I just wanted to say it out loud how much I miss him and how much he meant to me. And um, for a show that is about death, we are rather blasé about it, but we aren't really um it means something when someone passes from uh this plane and uh i will miss henry with every fiber of my being he was a good person and he was a good guy and uh, uh I, I wish he was still around um so this episode goes out to sid and henry um may they rest in peace and may they always be remembered for the good people that they were and so on with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, giant time is here. That's right, we are talking 1981's Galaxy of Terror on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from the outer reaches of space that the Master sent us to. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. Now, we're going to unpack all the gory details of Galaxy of Terror, the Roger Corman classic, and I put classic in serious dick fingers. 
uh, in the hopes that a Space Rangers untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make at their expense. And as always, there is only one person I trust that when I say I'm going to give up, I don't know why I'm here. I'm simply too old for this shit. She will allow me to sexually harass her on the job. The one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? Uh, I got to be honest, Patrick. I, I feel a little bit like I woke it up in a seedy motel room missing a kidney. <laughs> I, I, I'm a little I'm a little confused. I, I'm a little mm-hmm. alarmed. I, I don't really know where I am. I've watched this movie many times. I still don't know where it takes place or why it takes place there. I, I don't know who these characters are. I don't know their stories. <laughs> but they seem to have a lot of story because we might as well call change the name of this movie to Choices. Everyone in the cast has made definitive choices about their characters and have decided to remain mum about them. <laughs> they just act along those lines. I'm angry at you. These crystals mean something to me. Fist in your face. Those are moments in this movie. And I don't know what any of them mean. <laughs> uh, I don't want to alarm you, Gina, but we are not alone. That's right. We have special guests. You know them as the hosts of the Predicto cast. It is the ones and the onlys, Brian Skidder and Josh Hollis. Hello. Of course, people know Josh. He's a returning champion to the show. And of course, he designs our podcast art. He's talented that way in a way I could never be. And Skinner, (laughs) I guess, is just holding on to your coattails. Is that how I read this? No, not at all. He's the funny one. No, no, no. I'm just here for the ride. I have my crystal throwing knife to throw at any corpses or doors, but I have no particular talents to go along with those. I put a fist in your face in solidarity. I'm not sure. I mostly just just uh, scream and vomit like the uh, like the first person that's killed up. I've already forgotten his name, but I really I really felt for that character because I, too, would spend most of my time in a in a frightening situation, screaming and vomiting. But every situation is frightening for that person whose name is Cause. So I'll just refer to him as The Cause. No one goes by that nickname, right? (laughs) Why don't we get started? Because the first time any of you watched this movie was when I told you to watch it, correct? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Somehow this uh, this fell under my radar. This was one that I thought I had seen because I think uh, I I have this connection with certain covers, and this is one of them. It has a very lurid sort of Frank Frazetta esque kind of weird looking cover, yeah. and I was like, I think I've seen that before, and maybe I just remembered the cover because when we started watching, I was like, I don't know what this is, and. <laughs> And then I looked it up and it's like they it it's some of this uh some of the costumes were used in other movies, some of the sets were used in other movies that I think I've seen. So it's like I'm just thinking it's a bunch of different things that are all just merging together. They reuse these sets many, many times, including for Bidden World and another one called Mutant. They just kept using the same spaceship sets. Often on the weekend of this one, <laughs> when everyone else was away, they're like, let's just make another movie? Okay, sure, why not? So they made more so that they could get their money's worth out of it. And, uh, of course, they used some of the spaceships uh, from another movie that was made before this, which is like the Seven Samurai in Space. 
but not the one that looks like a uterus. I wish the uterus spaceship was in this, but it's not. This is what this this movie needs is more uterus spaceships. It already appears to be the scrap heap of H.R. Giger. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they, want, they want so bad for this movie to be alien. They want oh, so yeah, bad. 100%. I mean, pretty much until they get to, like, the pyramid thing, it's it's kind of alien. Like, it is just sort of almost a beat-for-beat beat alien, sort of. Yes, but they're not space truckers. They're kind of soldiers, but some of them aren't. And See, we don't, we don't know. They have all sorts of jobs. No, we I, don't I know do anything. anything. Yeah, I do enjoy that they are forced and crash land at this planet that they were apparently going to anyway. <laughs> yeah. But they were going too fast. Is Okay, <laughs> Let's, we're getting to it. Before we get to the rescue mission, we have to start at the very beginning. What a oh, wonderful yeah. place to start. And that is on a completely different ship that's on this planet whose name I can't remember. Nor do I want to. The planet Xerxes, uh, right? Uh, Morganthus? Morganthus. Oh, okay. Xerxes is, what was, was that the other other uh, ship she, the captain was on? Or was oh, that- maybe. Yes. So okay. the one that she has the, the airplane, like, freak out over. <laughs> that every time someone brings it up, she looks like Robert Hayes just looking at distaff World she's, War II footage going on behind she, him. She's remembering Macho Grande. That's yeah. literally all I would do to this person all day, all night. I mean, she does uh, enjoy a good this, meal, though. Yeah, this chicken vindaloo is okay. It's nothing like the Xerxes. What? George Zip? No. <laughs> so back to Morganthus, where a person we don't know is running for reasons we can't tell. And he's just shooting indiscriminately. And then he goes into a corner and he dies. Well, okay. He, he, gets, got, like, he, got, he gets flung around, flung around like, like, like telekinetic power, I think. Yes. But, but the thing that he sees, is that like a body in a washing machine? I couldn't figure that part out. <laughs> it was a spin cycle. We got that lady from the washing machine death from my bloody Valentine killing him. <laughs> Which apparently uh, was his greatest fear. Yes. His greatest fear was not using Tide Pods. And this is what <laughs> happens when you don't, I guess. Um, yeah. Is it a ghost? Is, is is that a reflection of what he's afraid of? Is that him? Was he always afraid of hitting pipes too hard? We'll never <laughs> find out. But he dies and... Don't worry about him. You're never going to fucking worry about him again because we're going to some other place where we meet a lady named Mitri. And she identifies as the the one who plays the game. I'm the game master. And there's a key master (laughs) and there's Zerg. How many things am I going to mix up? Anyways... Ray Walston is also there with a big red glowing. Were we, yeah, were we not supposed to know that was him? They did a very poor job <laughs> of covering it up. Yeah, it's his, very obviously Ray Walston. Yeah, his his face with this effect looks like what I picture the inside of a Hot Pocket looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Just this like red glowing mass. And it's like if you of, stared at a Christmas light for too long. Like speaking of Hot Pockets, I was distracted by the fact they were playing basically a cocktail version of Pong in front of them. <laughs> Listen, this is the most hectic version of Atari's Tempest I've ever seen in my life. 
It is all over the place. And she's got four, everyone presses buttons in this movie and toggles switches. Oh, I love and the none switches. of it does anything. They just keep they're playing the soundtrack, which is the most insane soundtrack I've ever heard in a movie in my entire life. What my favorite part about her character is is she's not important and never shows up again. Because <laughs> she, she seems like she's a character. But she's yeah. not. No, she is not. But she is the first person who talks in any sort of non-screaming-for-your-life sort of way. And she's like, I'm a, I'm the oracle of the game, and I play against the planet master, and this is what we do, and this is my job. And also, I live uh, in an apartment that looks like the lobby of a Benihana <laughs> <laughs> with a big screen TV. And there they get a phone call from an old guy who will continue to tell everyone he is old for the remainder of his time in the film. Yeah. Have you ever seen a, a, a spaceship crew just so utterly cowardly as, as, as the people? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they all have big time problems, uh, either with each other or the idea of going into space, which is probably not the attitude you want as a person whose job it is. To constantly go into space. Well, it seems like they're they're really caught off guard by this whole thing. Like they're not they're not expecting to have to do this, right? Like they, I mean, aren't they already aren't they already in space? <laughs> no, they're they're at some sort of uh, some sort of Return of the Jedi base, right? But that's uh, in space, is it Gina, not? I Gina, mean, they're, they're, we're all in. <laughs> we're all space. in space, Gina. <laughs> Gina. Gina. Do you not know that we live in space? You got me there. <laughs> Let me talk to the guys uh, here. Gina, uh, put your hands over your ears. She doesn't understand we live in space, guys. This is a, this is a real problem. It's, it's all around us. Like It's, it's night outside right now. <laughs> we are spinning, and that is the only reason we have gravity, everyone. Okay, Gina, you can take your hands off your ears. You're fine. And this old dude... <laughs> on the on the TV at the Benihana's that they switched the channel from the Dodgers game to <laughs> is told you got to go up to Morganthus because this other uh, ship, uh, you know, we can't find any bio beams or, or life blips. There's so many. I, I, I love uh, movies that take place. You know, in in the future, just yeah. like like of course the the best of these is Overdrawn at the Memory Bank. They just they just make up words like here, eat some Flavo vibes. And they're like, a, it's literally a bag of potato chips. <laughs> and in the middle of this, the game master is like, I'm going to choose the crew. And then the old guy goes away. And, and the, Mitri, uh, the oracle of the game, is like, don't do this. And we're like, don't do what? What's happening? He's like, I'm tired of waiting. Is anyone going to tell us what you're going to do? It just shit nope. just happens in this movie. It just happens. And you're like, okay, I'm a passenger. And the movie rockets forward. Well, we've got this character played by, by Edward Albert, which I, you know, you could see that they desperately wanted Tom Selleck for this role. They, yes. they eventually settled for Tom Selleck's mustache. <laughs> They took Tom then, Selleck's mustache and put it on a young Ray Wise, I think. Like it just <laughs> Exactly. 
And and this character, he's the hero. He just like shows up. And obviously, he has a history with all these people. They don't explain it. We we, no. we don't know where he's been this whole time, or 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 why the crew chief is just you know bristling with anger that he's there. I mean, he's he appears to be the big man on campus. Only the campus is space. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows this motherfucker, and they either have a really glowing opinion of him, or you're Zalman King, and you're like. Fuck you, asshole. <laughs> yeah, so also, Red- I can't decide which leg of mine is wrong, so I'm just going <laughs> to hobble on either the left or the right, depending on how I feel about it. <laughs> Red Shoe Diaries, Zalman King. Yes. Uh, and during his brief, thank God, uh, acting career, uh, unfortunately, he would go on to, uh, you know, become some uh, semi-muckety-muck in the industry with the Red Shoe Diaries. And various, um, you know, it's sultry thrillers, sexy thrillers, uh, movies where the the cover of of the VHS box was something through velour blinds. <laughs> <laughs> I do like about Edward Albert as K- Cabrin, Cabrin, <laughs> Cabrin. <laughs> Because the Wikipedia article, very helpful. It calls <laughs> yes. him an experienced and cool-headed space veteran who is the film's main protagonist. That's great because there's large chunks of the movie where I forgot he fucking existed. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many characters and they all are distinct. Oh, they're, which I enjoy. They're like, I mean, you have everyone, you have an empath, you have a cook, you have a someone there's got to be a Zach the Lego maniac. I mean, there's every possible thing. <laughs> You've got one guy as a power glove. You, you've got Robert Englund who uses a lady as a seatbelt. Yes, that's, that's pretty <laughs> yeah. sexy. That actually is apparently very effective. It's, yes, that's how spaceships work. If you're blasting off, you just you know someone monkey carries you in their seat, and you're just that's as and now as they're as married. According to space law, they are now married. <laughs> like everyone's name is Aluma, Cabrin, Balon, Kuhod. His name? Ranger, which is basically also his job. <laughs> <laughs> they just ran out of weird names. They, they just went through Moby Dick and they're like, I don't know, something like this? And wrote the name down. It's like it was a, a place filler and they just never figured it out. It was just slapping the keys a bunch of times and like, that works. Oh, you mean the plot. (laughs) (laughs) Both. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of keyboard typing in here that looks like no one has ever touched a keyboard before. (laughs) They're worried if it might bite them. Tippy tap at it with a single finger. (laughs) Like, no, this you should be very adept at this. And I don't care if you just like randomly using fingers, but that doesn't look any better than you just randomly using fingers. It looks like you don't know how a keyboard works and you're a space captain. (laughs) What if like for once, if you're going to make a movie that's so impenetrably weird as this is, which fantastic for good on it. It doesn't care about us. It has its own (laughs) internal logic that it is not telling us. Yeah. But just have, have a ship where you have to control it completely with your feet. <laughs> really, if you're gonna if you're gonna go after the, the 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 people who are really into giant maggot intercourse, why not instead go after the people who want to see feet doing all <laughs> kinds of stuff? 
I mean, I'm surprised it's the one thing not included in here. So basically what you are, uh, you want Flintstones in space. I do want Flintstones in space. Flint space. Space stone? (laughs) I mean, it's not just the Jetsons. Jetsons. (laughs) But they didn't use their, they didn't use their feet though. They could We don't know that. We honestly, honestly, that, that entire society could be still powered by feet. And we just haven't seen it. It's just none of the feet of the main characters. I mean, oh, there could definitely true. be people with feet, like just kind of operating that little machine that like puts out the like the fully cooked meal with a push of a button, or fully kind of put, by feet, or pushes George <laughs> or pushes George through, you know, to get to shave him and 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 dress him in the morning. And now I'm getting a little, I'm starting to move towards like a little fetishy for people, but. <laughs> Uh, oh no! Well, that's the wrong place to talk about fetishes in this movie, which is not weirdly kinky at all. Oh, not at all. <laughs> um, I love that the uh, the command, the pilot, captain's quarter. We you know where you where you drive the ship with your feet. Also has a spirograph in it. What are you using <laughs> that for? Stress, stress relief. <laughs> She needs it very um, badly. Can we talk very at length about Captain Trantor, played by the one and only Grace Zabritsky? She's crazy. <laughs> well, well, the problem is, is that, I mean, I do think that most people know her from playing Sarah Palmer, which, I mean, she had a very long career before that, but that was probably her pivotal acting role. And she's absolutely just completely around the bend in that movie. And mm-hmm. she's also got those kind of crazy eyes. And, and it's like, I, I can't see, I can't imagine her walking into an audition for this movie. And so he went, yeah, that's our captain right there. <laughs> the, the, the lady, the lady that looks like you're going to wake up in the middle of the night, she's going to be standing over your bed with a butcher knife. <laughs> I love that she has two modes of, of just reacting to everything. She's either batshit crazy or she doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> well, I, I have I, I would be willing to bet that this character was probably originally written to be played by a man and that they cast a woman in the role and felt really good about themselves. Yeah. So that when someone could point out and say, hey, about this uh this giant worm rape scene, yeah, but we cast this woman in a role originally meant for a man. <laughs> because, oh, can very, we just you know focus on that for a minute? She's very casual. That that's what I was talking about earlier. Like when they they put this whole mission into into effect to get them to that planet and find the other ship, she's just like, Well, we're taking off in like five minutes. Hope everybody's ready. Like, no, 30 seconds. 30, 30 seconds. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. That's 30 right. Seconds. This start where like there's this like, oh, everyone buckle up. We're going to, we're taking off further into space because we're already in space. We're all in space. And like everyone buckles up last second. They're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And they get where they're going. And then she's like, okay, cool. Everyone's relaxed. Let's get going again. Everyone buckle back up. I'm like, why is this movie doing this twice to start off? What is going on? I don't even know who any of these people are. And you've now given me two scenes where they have to buckle up. <laughs> you know, and they they hint that she survived some sort of catastrophic event that they never explain. That's just that's just never explained at all. But they they start the movie with a catastrophic event, but it's not hers. She is a survivor of space macho bravo. Or bravo macho. What is it? Macho grande. <laughs> macho grande. Those wounds run pretty deep. <laughs> 
and she doesn't have time. Like she survived something. So she's, I, I suppose what they're going for is that she is fearless or at least what you might assume she is fearless by going, Oh, we're just taking off. And now we're going to the hyperspace. And then when they get to the planet, they're going too fast. And she pushes back from the edge of, of the commands thing. <laughs> and she goes, all right, uh, we're dead. I can't, I can't do anything. I give up. <laughs> she just goes, like, what? She gives up so, so completely. <laughs> and there's no way out of this. Uh, put your head between your knees and kiss your ass goodbye. <laughs> Bye. As they plunge towards the planet that they were in one of these movies, when you get, when you get sucked into a planet that's going to kill you, spoilers, the planet's going to kill them. <laughs> like it's usually a planet you didn't intend to go to. But they had every intention of going to this fucking planet. <laughs> yes. And the thing they're going to that planet, uh, which they do not know, uh, I guess applies space brakes for them so they can slow down. Although she does say, I'm going to try to spin our way out of this. <laughs> what? I I don't think that breaks uh, air, uh, spacecraft descents when you twirl around a bunch. But that's before she just kind of gives up. And then, and then uh, Commander Ivar, played by uh, Bernard Burns, who was a, like a professional old person for much of his career. <laughs> well, he's that he's, in this movie, too. Yes. Um, so he was cast perfectly. He's like, use use the use the brakes. And she's like, no, nah, we're going too fast. <laughs> <laughs> like, Why even try? Why it's- even try? Like, we might as well slam into the crust of this plane. <laughs> well, I've, I've, I've had a good run. <laughs> she hasn't. She has had a terrible run of things. She seems haunted by her run. But needless to say, uh, the space pyramid slows them down enough for them to screech to a halt on this desolate planet that is very blue um if you're wondering why the sets on this kind of look good it's because they were created by james cameron this is his dry run for terminator and aliens he is doing all the back projection here he has made all the miniatures and that's why they kind of look pretty good (laughs) yeah i was i was watching certain i'm like wait a minute this looks a little too good for the for this for this kind of movie which is, I think, why they wanted to use the sets over and over again, because they didn't look their normal level of shitty. It's the same reason why they kept using the the spacecraft from Battle Beyond the Stars, because James Cameron made them and they don't suck. And one of them looks like a <laughs> uterus. <laughs> that would have fit into this movie, I think. It uh, would have. It would have fit in perfectly, but it doesn't have great landing, you know, pads. So th- that whole don't use the brake things might not have gone over as well. Who can say? Um, but like over on Predictocast, we've watched our handful or two handfuls of really current day uh, low budget sci fi movies. This movie looks better than they do now. Like <laughs> they, they're not, they aren't overly like. The, the ones now either are lit way too much or not at all. So like this oh. movie has shadows, which is appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it looks good. I mean, on the, the walls, the, the, in the hallways of the spacecraft, both the, the wrecked one and the, the quest uh, on the walls, there's this textured surface on there. That's McDonald's carryaway container <laughs> that they, stapled to the wall and spray painted and it looks 
a billion times better than Jason X. Gina, <laughs> this movie is everything Jason X wants to be and cannot be. If Jason X was fucking like this, then I would understand people going, oh, I love Jason X. It's so much fun. It's so weird. It's so gory. No, outside of that one frozen face kill, it kind of blows and it takes almost two hours for it to be done. This thing is like zip, zip, zoom. Here's a worm attacking a lady. (laughs) (laughs) After that, you can just turn it off because nothing else of interest happens. (laughs) <laughs> no, there is interest that happens after that worm. I promise you. It's just as weird as the first half. So uh, also on the crew, we have Aluma, played by uh, the person who Chachi loves, uh, Aaron Moran. <laughs> who, who is a psychic, a telepath. I, I Again, this is something I only gathered from reading the Wikipedia page. I mean, she kind of makes some kind of offhand remark when they see this giant pyramid. It's like, oh, I don't feel anything. Which is like, okay, I don't know what that means. You know? I mean, she's psi sensitive. This is just, I don't know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we all, that's very common phraseology here on the West Coast, where (laughs) if you go to a bar and you're like, hey, what do you do? I'm psi sensitive. Oh, I see. Is that like being an indigo child or something? (laughs) Exactly. There's lots of crystals involved. Yeah, crystal throwing stars, which seems impractical. Uh, it does. Uh, they're very sharp, but yet you get to hold on to one part of them. Uh, Sid Haig plays Kuad, um, who lives. He's for so the sweaty. Crystals. He's he's so he's sweaty so in this sweaty. movie. I can't get over it. <laughs> he also doesn't talk, like most of his dialogue he, is. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he gets like I think one actual full line of dialogue in this entire movie. Most of the time, he looks like he's about to just take one of those throwing stars and just just jam it right into somebody sh- right between somebody's shoulder blades. <laughs> the introduction of the throwing stars was so fantastic because when as I explore this down spaceship and a dead body falls down, my first reaction wouldn't have been let's throw a ninja star at it, <laughs> <laughs> but it's taken care of. Like, but it was already dead. <laughs> ah, you can't be too sure. Sometimes you need to stab it with a crystal to make sure. Sometimes dead isn't enough. <laughs> oh, my favorite thing about Sid Haig in this movie is he has a moment with every guy, never a woman. He will go up to him and just kind of like throw a karate chop in their face and then make a fist. <laughs> like you and I, we're going to get through this together. And then he's the second person to die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's the third person to die, but still, like, he's, you think, I think they're setting him up to be like, oh, that guy's too tough to uh, let this place get to him. But as soon as his crystals shatter, he becomes a man baby. The problem he's is, really attached to them crystals, y'all. I mean, I mean, the problem is there is only one person who could defeat him himself. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Never trust your severed left arm. If you learn anything from this podcast, it should be never trust your severed left arm. It will always turn on you. (laughs) But before we get to that, let's talk about the exploration of the down spacecraft that they're there to rescue. And that they everyone kind of splits up. They start burning bodies as soon as they see them. How does that help? How does that help anybody? Like, oh, dead body. Burn. If you watch CSI, that, that dead that, body. 
that's not real. In real life, they burn every piece of evidence they can find. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't imagine how this happened. Well, did you uh, gather evidence? We brought back a body, but we burned everything else. But we should be able to figure it out, right? (laughs) Why why is there a ninja star in it? Did that kill it? No, I did that. (laughs) Well, after the fact. Can can you imagine like like an episode of Law & Order where like, yeah, like Jerry Orbach just shows up and just like finds it by just like flings a throwing star at it. Just need to make sure it was dead. Target practice. <laughs> and you think like, oh, well, this is a space movie. Of course he has a ninja star. <laughs> I mean, you know. We found him on set. There's that there's that edited scene from 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 Alien in which Ripley flings a few throwing stars at the xenomorph. <laughs> And they look very real. That's what everyone should walk away from this podcast knowing. They don't look fake at all. <laughs> they look like real crystal throwing stars. That, I mean, that, that, sh- that shatter as soon as he drops them. <laughs> <laughs> they can hold open ancient doors because you would use ninja stars to do that. Yeah, as soon as he, he does that, you're kind of like, why the fuck did you do that? This is a terrible idea. Why don't you want that door to open? Why doesn't he want the door to open? Why not just let it open? You got a bunch of people with fucking uh, guns and you've got those crystal uh, ninja stars that look like something from a, you know, like version eight of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Cr- those crystals are are something that would hang from an old lady's rear view mirror. Like... <laughs> But before we get to that, we do need to circle back to Cause. The Cause, as we all know him to be. How did he get this job? I don't know. His father, like, works in, like, upper management, doesn't he? He definitely slept his way into this gig. And by slept, uh, not having sex. I mean, he literally just fell asleep. and Fell asleep. And they're like, who's somebody, left? Somebody dragged him from, from training class to training class. I need someone who can draw enough oxygen not to talk, but mainly to scream. Well, oh, Cause is here. Bring him. They had to leave so fast and Cause had just fallen asleep on the quest. And they were like, well, he's here. So we've got to go. <laughs> he doesn't know how seatbelts work. <laughs> I mean, if everyone wears beige, who's to know who's part of the team and who is supposed to be, you know, doing the laundry. That's very true. <laughs> uh, Cause wanders through this uh, spacecraft. <laughs> I love I love it because this would be this would one hundred percent be me, <laughs> just like you know, I bumping into something and just you know screaming like a little girl. There there are some great high pitched man. He screams, screams like this. Ned Flanders. <laughs> <laughs> I I I mean I've gone over my my love of people things happening to people in wheelchairs. I've gone over my my love of obvious dummies. I also love comically high pitched screams from men. For that just <laughs> that any movie that features that, I, I that's already that's already an extra star in, in, in its favor for me. So uh, he's afraid of millipedes. He's afraid that- he's afraid of steam pipes. Yeah. He he's afraid of, you know, just random hoses coming out of things and, and brushing <laughs> past him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's not afraid of Baylor, uh played by Zalman King who keeps ordering everyone, like, let Kaz run around the ship by himself and scream. This, <laughs> that's how I run this ship. <laughs> and so the, he survives miraculously the round trip around this abandoned spacecraft. And they're like, okay, everybody, 
We brought one body. We burned up all the other evidence. Let's go back to the quest. And they all put on their ill-fitting backpacks that look really cool, but don't work so well later on when they're climbing. Like everyone keeps having to hoist it back over their shoulders <laughs> because it looks like something you would attach to an action figure. It's not, there's and no they, actual straps. And they have like, like, like the headlights for like a 1979 Chevy Impala attached to them. <laughs> it's like, it's half, it's half Impala, half proton pack, half like captain power. Like <laughs> these flashback flashlight backpacks, or I could call them flashbacks. <laughs> Oh, okay. They're, 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 Technical term. They're they're very fancy. I do like them. They're complete. It would be a lot easier if they just held a flash flashlight in their hand, <laughs> uh, especially because they're constantly falling off of them as they <laughs> yeah. climb up this pyramid. Um, but he's having trouble putting his on while everyone else is outside. Then he hears a noise, screams, what feels like fifteen times. <laughs> And then finally, a whip noise sounds like Indiana Jones is having a a battle with you. And it turns out that it's some kind of millipede monster. And then it takes a claw to his forehead and blood just starts flowing everywhere. And that's it. That's it for cause. Uh, Aaron Moran says like, oh, I could feel like a kind of life force near him but then it's gone i don't know that's not really important yeah nobody's really <laughs> nobody's go particularly planet, your con- dreams kill you yeah no nobody seems particularly concerned that she says that no she's never taken seriously in the entirety of this which movie. is which is you know leads me to the question what is she doing there no, <laughs> if, if her if her if her main purpose is to be an empath or or a telepath or psychic or whatever the fuck she's supposed to be and yet every time she makes some sort of observation everybody's like come on that's nonsense <laughs> well then what is she doing there what if like counselor troy every Why time we she bring spoke, you along just got yelled I'm, at. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you would be on my podcast. That's what happens yes. every time someone speaks. I yell at them. Yeah, and, and at the end, it's it's okay that you yelled at me because in the end, I get my head crushed. <laughs> yeah, and again, I mean, her her abilities don't do her any good in the end. It's so, ironic. Yeah, she, she, mean, can, <laughs> she can sense with her brain, and then her head gets crushed. Don't worry about it. It's irony. Don't give that away. That is the second half of the movie. Oh, okay, cut that part out. <laughs> I don't edit this podcast. Come on, Patrick. I'll make you work for it. All right. I can't imagine anyone's going to run out and watch this after we get to run out and watch this movie. I unabashedly love it. I'm not saying it's good. I'm, I'm not, saying it's my I, kind of good. I'm not at the loving it stage yet. I, I'm just, I'm baffled right now. I really don't understand what's happening. But if you knew what was happening, it wouldn't have the charm that it does. <laughs> like, the, I think really the reason I like it is because shit just happens and people accept it. Like, it's like, like causes, okay. causes entire story arc happens in one walk around a ship. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's really nothing like, like watching a movie that you could tell there was another half hour of movie at some point and they were just like, bleh. We don't need this. You know, we don't. We don't need to understand why uh, the you know, the captain of the ship and and the you know the, the the handsome hero don't get along with each other. We we don't need. That's not important. 
No. Yeah, we, we don't need to know where this guy was the whole time. That or then that him showing up, it was you know, it was a surprise to everyone. The audience doesn't need to know that. Yeah, maybe in the maybe in another cut, there's like instead of them having to leave in thirty seconds, there's there's thirty minutes, and that's when we got to know the crew. And they were like, no, 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 chop, 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 chop. <laughs> Here's the problem. I assume if there if there was extra 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 footage, it's mostly of the Megan having sex with that character. <laughs> oh, God. I forgot to mention when they make that emergency landing that Grace Sabrinsky pets the console, like, come on, baby, come on. And as we learned in Jason X, just petting a computer won't improve your odds of survival. You have to have sex with it. That's the way computers work. We're not endorsing Uh, that you have sex with your computer. We're just saying it may improve your processor speed. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just saying it will improve your odds of something or other. So I, I, they get back to the spaceship and they're like, I don't know what fucking happened. He was there that he wasn't, you know, his face got ripped off. And uh, then they're like, Oh, well we're going to, when we landed here, there was this one thing that's that we pat the camera passes and then it blinks out. I'm like, well, we should go look at it. Uh, okay. Fine. Like we can't leave because it drew us to the planet. And so we have to go to it. Like, I, oh, I, I did like a bad plan. I did like the scene where um, Robert England, for no discernible reason, is also performing an autopsy. Yeah, what is, what is, <laughs> and, and he, yeah, he kind of does the equivalent of, of you know the Dirty Harry movies, where you've always got the uh, you've got the the coroner like eating a hoagie, over the, yeah. over the dead body, putting it on the chest and wiping <laughs> your brow with a blood covered glove. Yeah. He like doesn't realize like everybody can see this like you know, laid out you know, he laid open corpse he's just like oh i'm sorry and he like kind of runs his bloody hand across his mouth (laughs) that's a great moment robert england i love it (laughs) but what is the crew member assignments on this like i I, you're not usually an engineer and the coroner yeah that's (laughs) usually not a i mean i I realize i mean maybe in this future you know Space budgets are very tight. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe the cook was also the navigator. I I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the, the cook is the only one they really specifically point out. Like, you're the cook. You made this food in front of me, and, and he appears at one point. Which looks like a pitcher of lemonade, <laughs> which is, yeah, which is very nice. Space country time. <laughs> Spuntry time. <laughs> Oh, I hate that. Yeah, that's that's something else. I don't like that at all. I want to ask a question of all of you. What's the deal with the the master? Is he their god? I think he's at least in charge of everyone somehow. But they they they, they, they do epitaphs like you would say God, except for the master, which is odd because at the start of the movie, I thought here's the bad guy of the movie. But but is he? But I don't know, because who cares? The movie doesn't. But all of a sudden, they're like, he's our boss. Also, he's our god. Well, you know, capitalism. His head does glow, I mean, <laughs> motherfucker. It's like, it's like if Jesus ran your office. Whoa. Jesus I mean, if you, talk to, if you talk to some, yeah, if you talk to some folks out there, they would say that that is what's happening. What if God was among us? What if he's one of us? Also, his head lit up like there's, a there's light a, plate. Yeah, I've got a I've got a bumper sticker on my car. It says Jesus is my co-pilot and also my CEO. <laughs> it's like The Office, the the sitcom. Only Michael Scott is Jesus and his head glows. 
That's what's happening here. Other than that, it's exactly the same. I want to make a t-shirt about that right now. <laughs> oh, if someone can make up some quick fan art of the office with the master put in Michael Scott's place, that would be great. Okay. That would be fantastic. I have one for Gina. Gina, what does his mug say? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I would assume the classic, you don't have to be crazy to work here, but it helps. <laughs> <laughs> or or until morale until morale improves, the beatings will continue. World's best master. Mitri, his little assistant, has got uh, a Zendaya is Mitri mug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. She, she's got crazy. that. She's got that like fake hand grenade on her desk that says take a number. <laughs> Maybe it's a really big mug and it just says the master sends meat but the devil sends the cook. <laughs> what was that? What? what does that mean? I don't know. What's this Did movie? It's, a, it's, it's perfect because the mo- we don't know what the movie means either. <laughs> if there was literally someone drinking out of a cup that said that, I'd be like, yeah, all right. That, that's fitting with the rest of this movie. You know, I think all people are good except for cooks. <laughs> <laughs> well, in yeah. this world, they might be upper management. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. They might secretly, not a secret at all. I don't, they're not pitching his voice nearly low enough. We know that's my favorite Martian the whole time, <laughs> everyone. I lo- So they decide, let's go climb that pyramid. So... Zalman King starts like pissing everybody off and making everyone do extra stuff and is really angry at Commander Ivar and they climb up this mountain and (laughs) Ivar stops halfway through and basically says, I'm too old for this shit, (laughs) but not, but not old enough to hit on one of his subordinates when she's like, ah, oh, you're not that bad. You're not that old. You're, you're, you're doing fine. He's like, not when I look at you. <laughs> Ew, dude, we work together. Motherfucker. We're in space. Take this seriously. Everyone looks at her with fuck eyes. It is crazy. It's like they've never been around a woman and they are not counting Aaron Moran or Grace Zabrinsky in this equation at all. Would you try hitting on Grace Zabriskie? She looks no, like she she, she looks like she put a off. she looks like she put a fucking pencil in your eye. <laughs> and then and then, is, and then pull the like pen a, and then pull the pencil out and keep doing her crosswords with it. <laughs> Dating her would be like fear factor. Like you would really have to get up your nerve in order to like she's like tonight I made dinner. Also we're gonna crawl into this glass coffin of spiders. <laughs> And then I'm going to tell you about this fun mission I went to with Rio Bravo, Bravo, Bravo Macho, Macho Man, Grande. <laughs> That's the new thing at Taco Bell, right? Yeah, yeah the Chalupa Supreme. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's where all of our uh, former uh, teammates died. That's what that's what people are when you're in a space <laughs> army. They're teammates, right? Yeah, I mean, her, uh, with her mission with everyone else, right? Yum Brands. <laughs> <laughs> Commander Ivar goes, oh, my God, there's a big orifice here. Let's get into it. (laughs) Yeah, let me climb down this pyramid's butthole. (laughs) (laughs) Which is exactly what it looks like. And then it turns out that the pyramid's butthole has polyps, angry Gleek Glop polyps that 
smash out of it and start sucking on him. But the sound effect they use <laughs> is the same one that they use when Scooby-Doo has a milkshake. <laughs> And it doesn't sound scary. Yeah, right. And that's why I like it. This must be his greatest fear, which is oddly specific. (laughs) It is really specific. I'm going to go down a hole and people with gleep glop arms on are just going to whap at me and start sucking on my stuff i guess <laughs> that that's what i thought it was gonna well i thought like if it was about fear and it's about like you know their their imaginations getting the better of them like i thought he was going to he kept talking about how old he was and he was just going to age rapidly and just turn into a skeleton or something yeah, see, that would have been cool yeah, but no he just gets attacked by tentacles which is like okay I guess my fear is also crawling into a pyramid's asshole and being killed by tentacles. <laughs> sucked off. Sucked out. I'm sorry. Sucked out by tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, yeah, come on. They drink his milkshake. Um, they drink it up. <laughs> uh, but it's very obvious guys with, whose arms are inside of rubber and just thwapping at him. It's not... Uh, it's, I think really when it comes down to it, this movie's biggest deficit comes from not having one monster, but having every monster. Some of those monsters look relatively cool and some of them just look like, I don't know, do you have an extra millipede claw? Sure. Use that. <laughs> so he gets sucked off to death and then they get, they, they get to the top of the big gate and this is the place where Kuhad, the the doors open, and he tries to stop the doors from opening, but they're already kind of open. He just likes throwing those fucking things, and I don't think he cares. And yeah, I, he, I, they've I always survived till now. In my in my you know continued you know state of being perplexed over this movie, I, I felt like that they were trying to suggest that he might be a bad guy because he's just sort of looking at everybody like he's wondering what their head would look like on a stick. Just, just, you know, just sort of like, and like, he's just like, you know, he's, you know, sweating buckets and, and, you know, everybody just kind of looks at him and he just, you know, he looks like he's about to strangle them. And I'm I'm like, is this good? Is this going to be the guy that, you know, we we have to, you know, we have to catch the specimen so we can study it. The problem is, is that everyone else looks like a regular person in a beige outfit and he's a egg. That's, that's a big problem for this movie is that <laughs> yeah, I mean, normal people and Sid Haig. You're like, what the fuck is going on with that guy? Yeah, it's Same like it's going on in every Sid Haig movie. He's Sid Haig. It's like watching um, uh, Tom Tells. He because I he's imprinted on my brain from Henry Portrait of a Sierra Killer that every other role I have seen him in. I'm like, OK, he's the bad guy. <laughs> I, mean, they would, I, I don't know i don't know how either of these characters how these actors never played brothers in a movie because they look alike yeah and they both kind of have that kind of just crazy eyed look and, and how they've ever tried to be cast as not bad guys is beyond me like freddy krueger is this movie but he's just a dude he's like a goofball in it yeah he's a comic relief i think but or, also or... the but also the coroner which is just they needed one, so he's the guy who's got a kind of chin strap beard. What is going on with that beard? That I didn't, even notice. I didn't even notice he had a beard, to be honest with that, you. That fuzz, you know what that means? It means sex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, yeah, he's he's just on the dewy edge here of the best looking he ever was. Like if you're like, but he's playing. He's pretty much playing kind of the same character he played in V, where he's yeah. just a, he's just a big old doofus. Yes. I think that's what he was until Freddy Krueger. He was the big old doofus. And then <laughs> Freddy Krueger came along and everyone's like, oh, no, no, no. Slap some rubber on him and he's the scariest man alive. He just needed, his skin was too good for too long. It's the, it's the main problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why you got to have a chin strap beard or burn uh, makeup on there uh, so that you just don't instantly fall in love. Um, Kuad's uh, crystals break. And he is instantly distraught. Now, this would mean something to me, the viewer, if I were told it meant something to him. (laughs) (laughs) But we're just shown it after the fact. He's like, he's like, just, he's distraught. It's like he's broke his grandmother's china. I mean, yeah, it's it's that thing of like, well... Uh, my toys are broken and now I'm just going to sit here while you guys continue to go have fun. Cause I just don't want, I didn't want to be involved anymore. Yeah. He can't go on. He's useless to them. And so they're like, all right, stay by the door, you big baby and cry over your, your teenage mutant Ninja turtle stars. <laughs> and we'll go and do our job, I guess. So they do that. Uh, they all take off. Uh, but once they do, he hears a noise outside. He The door starts to close. He squeezes out and then his crystals reform. And he is a happy boy. <laughs> He's, He's so, so excited. He's, He's so sweaty, excited. sweatier than ever. <laughs> Just so very moist and happy. But then before you know it, once he picks one up, it starts to attack him. A piece of it breaks off and goes up his arm. So he uses another portion of it to cut his left arm off. (laughs) And you think, thank God he's cut his own arm off. Everything will be fine now. Nope. Because that arm is just going to pick up another crystal and throw it into his chest. I like how the, and, how the arm the arm is kind of like tapping its fingers like it's waiting for you know a phone call to come in. <laughs> I will I will say that the the crystal going up his arm legitimately made me uncomfortable. I was like, that's that a, was pretty a pretty good effect. That was a good effect. It was. I totally agree with it you. It was very gross, and they they did a nice job. And so uh, they get to another part, and they're like, okay, we're gonna have to squeeze into this tiny spot. And uh, Aaron Moran's like, I didn't stop loving Chachi to come out in the middle of space to go into a, a, a tight area. I dislike it. And we're like, yes, we know everyone has a fear. That's your fear. You're going to you're going to be in a tight space. Uh, OK, we get it. Which, again, I mean, are you really cut out for space exploration if you don't like being in small spaces? Because because no. that seems like that seems like, you know, somebody who who joins them, you know, joins the Marines, not the Marines, the Navy, and they get assigned to submarine duty. Well, I don't like small spaces. Well, <laughs> yeah. I have well, bad be, news I, for you. I mean, are you cut out to be like a, a space ranger or Marine or whatever these people are? If the breaking of your crystal to- toys upsets you to the point where you <laughs> cannot go on with your mission? <laughs> A fair point, to be sure. As soon as you said Space Rangers, I'm picturing Buzz Lightyear on this mission. What would his greatest fear be? (laughs) This this picture running through the hallways of Zerg. With those little those little feet, run, that little run he does with the little you know choppy feet, I love that. I just want to picture him running around the hallways in that. I think his greatest fear is like self realization or 
because it's kind of what he goes through in that movie. I am a toy. And then he, <laughs> he learns that he's immortal and <laughs> there's nothing more for him. So another uh, teammate, a space ranger teammate uh, named Demia uh, is like, all right, I don't like this place. I don't, I thought I saw a worm. I hate bugs. And instantly you're going, oh, she's going to get it by worm. And then, uh, then uh, Zalman King's like, go back to Kuhad and see if that big baby's still weeping over his broken crystal. And uh, she gets over there and she sees that uh, Kuhad's uh, severed arm has a bunch of space maggots on it. And then somehow in the background, a space maggot grows. Is it one of the was she she is it one of the ones that was eating his arm? I'm not because it doesn't sure. really. I mean, it starts out as a maggot and then it turns into like this insane space worm. Yeah, I think it is one of those maggots. Like it, it she sees that and then it gets huge. If it's not one that c- directly comes from the severed arm, it's one of their friends. Like they're related, but not like <laughs> not, not a direct marriage. More they, like a, they called a their big brother cousin. over. Yeah. yeah, he's horny. He is. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, content that's, that's how you. Yeah, that's how you settle a dispute in the neighborhood. I'm going to call my big horny brother over here to deal with you. <laughs> so this giant maggot begins to rip her clothes off one piece at a time, and for the next two and a half minutes, you're going to watch her slowly undressed by a. By a couple guys inside and, of a big silicone suit. And covered in baby oil, apparently, because why not? <laughs> well, yeah. I, mean, I, I, when I, as this was happening, I was like, okay, this is weird. There's a big maggot and it's on top of her. And it's like, oh, I thought I was going to eat her or whatever. And then her shirt comes off and I'm like, okay, I guess I get it because that is a thing that happens. We, you know, we have gratuitous boobs in horror movies. I'm not totally surprised. And then her pants came off and I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) We're laughing to keep from crying here. This is the one part of this movie I I intensely dislike because how could you possibly like it? That's the thing. Like this is not designed for liking. All I will say, because because I am but one woman talking to three dudes about a, a rape worm, is <laughs> is that I, I would like to know how, how this was explained to the actress. I, I call this, I have this thing, I call it the Buffalo Bill conundrum, which is, I, I want to know how certain scenes were explained to to the actor. Like, here's what's going to happen. Here's what I need you to do. And just kind of, you know, I, I wish I could hear how these things are hashed out. I, I have the feeling that in the script it says, you know, what, what's the character's name? Damia? Damia. I, I would be willing to bet that in the script it says the worm attacks Damia. Just like in Silence of the Lambs, it was Bill dances. <laughs> you know? and, and that they, you know, they had to elaborate, you know, okay, well, here's what I, here's what I pictured happen in this scene. And just how, you know, they talked her through this. Now, I will point out, we I think we mentioned this before we started recording. The Wikipedia page for this is <laughs> exhaustively detailed. Yeah. I mean, I mean, someone lovingly wrote about this movie, you know, described the plot in a way that I'm watching this. I'm watching this beat by beat. I still don't see this stuff happening. <laughs> and there is an entire section, four paragraphs long, about just this scene shockingly you, you, you know hold on to your hats it was more explicit originally 
and that they had to tone down. Originally, she was supposed to act like she was enjoying it after a while. And then they like, well, well no, we need to cut that a little you bit. The impression of well, that's I mean, the that of course, gives- I mean, it, not so much now, but a lot of old romance novels. That was very much a thing, where yeah. where a a you know the male character would you know rape the heroine, and after a while she'd really get into it. And that's you know that was a thing. It's not a thing anymore, thank God. But but certainly yeah. you know around this time it was still a thing. So, you know, I think that this movie, you know, we're not, you know, this isn't grimy enough. You know, let's not have, let's not have a rape scene. Let's have a rape scene in which she likes it. Because why wouldn't you like having four sex with a giant space worm? (laughs) (laughs) It's upsetting the point where I read a Wikipedia article on her, I think it was. And it mentioned that she became a cult favorite due to her being in like back-to-back movies where she had an over-the-top crazy death in like a Roger Corman movie. And I'm like... If she became one of your favorites because of this scene, you're fucking messed up. <laughs> like, oh, totally, like, don't, totally. like, don't, don't sit back with ironic, like, disenchantment of it. Like, <laughs> it's funny because it's so crazy, but I really love it. And it's like, you can't do it. It's, 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 it's a horrifying thing to have, to put in your, your script. No one would ever do this now. Well, here's the thing. Like, here's, here's like, this is from the Wikipedia page, and this is a problem with this movie. In an interview shown on the Blu-ray disc, Corman says the character of Demia is re- as rewritten. So they, they tried to write this into what, you know, what we watched. Had a fear of sex as well as a fear of worms. O'Connell, who was the actual player, in a separate interview with Femme Fatale's magazine, interpreted that Demia was frightened by her own sexuality and desire to submit to something more powerful than herself, something the monster created from her fears gives, gives to her to a lethal extent. Where the fuck was that in this movie? <laughs> was there any indication at all that she had a fear of her sexuality? No. No. There's no. nothing. There's not a... This is like J.K. Rowling going back and retconning her own writing. Like, you can't say later that, you know, that your movie had something in it that's not there. You 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 can't. That's, you know, that is, you know, a really Weasley way to get out of a gross scene. She The character also dies at the end. So it's not like she learns something about herself. She's killed <laughs> by yeah. the maggot having intercourse with her. I mean, if they, if they you know, were, if they really wanted to do that, I, mean, I don't think they should have because I think, you know, a fear of sexuality is not going to exhibit itself, exhibit itself by you getting raped by a space worm. I mean, I just don't, I don't, you know, that that's not how I would imagine something like that would, you know, would play itself out. Probably not. But, but maybe like when she's being sexually harassed by these other men, kind of have her like, you know, you have mixed feelings about it. You know, maybe being a little bit into it, but kind of repulsed by it at the same time. But nope, they don't do any of that. The you know, all, they come to that sort of, mixing of her emotions is she flirts a lot with uh with freddy krueger and then zalman king's like at one point she goes that's enough and he goes when has it ever been enough for you <laughs> and i'm kind of like where is this coming from zalman yeah king? and i'm that's- like i'm like okay they think all right i guess they had a thing at one time whatever it's another thing the movie doesn't explain but it, but that doesn't tell me that this character is a fear of their sexuality no. I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, t- topical for the for the podcast that came across much better in, in Freddy's Revenge than he had a fear of his sexuality. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about a success rate. Uh, Freddy's Revenge beats this hands down in, ter- uh, in, in terms of making those fears into a horror reality and fantasy. It, it's 
it, it, they watched Alien and they're like, all these people are having sex with one another. Well, maybe in our movie, they're all having sex with one another. But they, you don't really get that across. It's just like everyone knows Eddie Albert's kid. And like maybe a couple of people wrote his mustache, but <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a good mustache. I mean, you know, yeah. it can't be understated. <laughs> and don't forget, I know we've mentioned him a lot in this episode, which is basically not at all. He is the cool headed protagonist of this movie. <laughs> um, and that's why he's not talked about, because everyone else is flipping the fuck out constantly when they see worms. When they see millipedes, when they look at a tiny tunnel, when they're crystal breaks, <laughs> when 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 a when a you know bunch of vacuum cleaner hoses fall out of something on them, <laughs> <laughs> when um, Johnny Bravo Macho is mentioned, and uh, what is it again? Macho Grande. <laughs> El Camacho Grande. <laughs> This is why I write notes for my podcast. <laughs> One, you know, that's a good idea. I should pick that up. <laughs> no, nah, don't start it. It's a, it's a, it's a deep hole. You don't want to. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so that uh, that's it for this section of the movie. But of course, before we can really move on to talk about anything else, there's one thing we do have to decide. We have to choose your own death venture. And so in this section of the movie, if you were forced to die in one of those ways, which one would you choose and why? Up for bid, we have grapple with a laundry ghost and hit some <laughs> pipes. And then um, we have, uh, I guess uh, we have, what's the next one? The cause, uh, right? You, the cause. Cause. You get uh, hugged to death by a millipede. Is that what's happening there or is something happening there? Because that's a, a behind the back attack that feel like for a w- movie that has one space worm sexual assault. Um, who's no, I think it just, I think, happening? I think it just kind of like, you know, wrapped around like squeezing to death or something. Yeah. It's just, it grabs him and then rips his guts out basically. Okay. Uh, and then there's the old man who gets sucked off to death in a pyramid's butthole. And uh, then you die by the crystals uh, and your own left arm, or you get sexually assaulted by a space maggot. Uh, And so uh, Josh, as our first of two guests and returning champion, I choose you to go first. Oh God. Um, Well, I, I, I don't want to pick the last one uh, because that's, it's horrible. Um, I, I guess I got to go with, I got to go with the, with the, the old man in the, in the pyramids, butthole and all the tentacles <laughs> because of that sound effect. I think specifically because of that sound effect, because they it's just delightful. went to, they went to a cartoon sound effect library, found that and threw it on there. And I would love to hear that before I die. It's like what's a blood curdling <laughs> noise of all your blood being drained out of your body. And they're like, I don't know. This is Mark Hanna-Barbera. Does this work? <laughs> Yeah, so that's the one for me. And I, and right. I'll go out like I lived. <laughs> <laughs> Always climbing into space buttholes. Yeah. Yeah. That makes yeah, that's how I know you. Uh Skinner, what say you? I'm to go with the first one where he, where he's getting attacked by something while he's looking at 
basically laundry. I would oftentimes when I'm in the middle of doing chores, I think, God, I wish I could just die right now. It's supposed to finish all this work. Now, will, will your family be okay with your remains not returning to your home planet because they were burned just as soon as they see it? As less cleanup, all the better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, My cats very, would probably get into it. It'd be just disgusting. Before they burn you up, though, they got to throw some stars into you. <laughs> uh, yeah, you gotta. That's just part of the process. Uh, Gina, uh, what death have you chosen for yourself? Well, like I said, I, I related spiritually to to cause. I, I would I would can definitely see myself being you know sent on a on a an assignment I'm absolutely in no way suited for, and and handling it by by vomiting and screaming and sweating and and just kind of stumbling around and getting lost. So yeah, I can, and and I do have a a fear of things with lots of little legs. So, so certainly in a Pennywise fashion, a, a giant millipede just rising up and just, you know, tearing my guts out would absolutely be on brand for me. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you, are, are your pipes up to screaming that much? Cause that's a lot of screaming. I, I can manage. I, I can, I'm not a smoker. I, I drink a lot of tea. I, I, think, mm-hmm. I, I think I can handle it. Okay. It, it, you know, if you train your voice in the right direction, you can just scream nonstop, but you just have to be trained in a way that it doesn't hurt your voice. Yeah, I just, I just, I just picture myself just running through hallways, like ah, ah, <laughs> just, just you know, well, well, just you know, occasionally you'll just hear me running past in the background. You'll be auditioning for screamo bands before you know it. Exactly. Uh, you'll also be a corpse. Uh, <laughs> so I am going to choose dying by the crystals because I've always wanted to have He-Man weapons <laughs> and at least I would have them for a time before they attack me. Um, and then, you know, I would just, you know, kill two birds with one stone and one of those birds would be me. <laughs> bip, bip, boom. <laughs> uh, so before we go, uh, Josh Skinner, uh, where, where can people hear more? Tell them about your podcast and how it all goes down. Uh, yeah, of course, we are the hosts of PredictoCast. Um, it's a movie podcast where we watch the first 10 minutes of a movie that we know nothing about, and then we try to predict what happens uh, after those 10 minutes. Uh, you can listen to us wherever you get podcasts. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, uh, or at PredictoCast.com. Uh, it's fun, right, Skinner? Right, and if since we're two guests, we get to have two plugs. If you really want to think of the back catalog, and you're a yeah. you're a fan of quality music, please go out, <laughs> out of your way, find Butterfly Kisses, a line by line breakdown, of Crazy Town's hit song, Butterfly, starring Josh and myself. It is as exci- it, it is at least five times more exciting than the pitch I just gave you. Crazy Town has yet to listen to the podcast, as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it still exists out on the internet. And hopefully one day shifty shell shock will shake my hand. <laughs> what can, what can I do to get you guys to give this kind of treatment to hinders lips of an angel? Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, I think that means we're going to be launching angels wings very soon. <laughs> Cause man, I would love that. <laughs> Someone needs to get all up in there. Hey, Wait a second. Where's what's that uh, song that Gina you wrote about about that guy who's romancing that uh, underage girl? Oh, oh, uh, butterfly uh, kisses. 
Are you talking into the night? Yes. <laughs> well, no, you, you have to. It's not just you. Have, you can't just go into the song. You got to also break down the video too, because it's really yeah. something special. You have to see the way this man is dressed and why the police aren't called when he shows up to this mother's doorway is beyond me. It uh, yes, uh, download it today, people. Check it out. Hey, Gina, uh, where can people find you on this here internets? I have my own website, which I talk about movies and old television and pop culture at dinaradcliffe.com. I am also a writer for The Spool. I am currently recapping the Showtime series on on Becoming a God in Central Florida. And I also write about other movies there. And I am on Twitter under at Porcelain72. Yes. And uh, what's happening on the Patreon front? We have a new episode that uh, people can listen to if they pay us some money. Uh, We do not have any new patrons just yet, but uh, we do have um, the new episode went up uh, this past Friday that we recorded. Um, It is uh, Vincent Price's Theater of Blood, which was actually a lot of fun to talk about. It was yeah, somebody, uh, somebody, or... somebody, somebody has to to eat a dog that's been baked into a pie. <laughs> <laughs> and Diana Rigg is in the movie. And at one point, uh, Vincent Price plays a uh, gay hairdresser. And I went to heaven during that uh, 10 minutes. <laughs> his name is it, Butch. His name is Butch. And he is fucking fantastic. <laughs> it is Everything you want as Vincent Price playing a gay hairdresser you could ever want it to be. With an Afro wig. He he comes on to a cop and the cop's like, eh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't I he? Mean, I mean, come on. Come on. <laughs> uh, to find us uh, on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash killbykill. Uh, of course, you can find us on Twitter at killbykillpod. Uh, the Facebook group and page uh, unlock all sorts of untold goodies to you. And of course, on Instagram at Kill by Kill Podcast for weird images that I pull from goofy movies. And that will do it for now. But don't worry, folks, the body count will continue. Uh, what happens to the rest of the, the crew of the quest? Will they survive their own fears? Almost none well but (laughs) we're gonna have fun figuring out why the fuck they die and maybe why we should care i don't know i like this movie it's goofy and it's fun um so for myself for josh for skinner and for gina bye bye everybody bye bye